Pop 43, The Confusing Case of Captain Marvel. Welcome to Pop. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today, and today I'm joined by Christine Carlson-Wolf. Hi, everybody. Ken, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing fantastic. As a matter of fact, I've lost 100 pounds. Shazam! Yeah, really. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, all I can say is keto works if you work it, so... It's amazing. It's amazing to have watched you being doing this over the last year. Yeah, it's, it, you're you're truly motivated, and that makes me happy, and it makes me happy that, that you're happy with the results. Well, I'm coming back to life, and, uh, you know, it's weird seeing how, how I looked two years ago. As a matter of fact, as of this recording, two years ago today, the Tiger Man thing came up. <laughs> For anybody who remembers that episode of Pop where we played the song Tiger Man, it was weird that that popped up today. I think there's a bit of a difference between pictures of me even 10 years ago and now, you know, and uh, I suppose that's supposed to be normal, but I'm actually looking younger than I I did then, so it's weird. You're um, the the curious case of Kenjamin, (laughs) I don't know. Kenjamin Button. Yeah, you're 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 aging backwards, Kenjamin. Yeah, Kenjamin Button. <laughs> Today on the show we're going to talk about all things Captain Marvel. And what does that mean to you, right? So like uh to some people that's the guy that said Shazam and to some people that was the catchphrase that they heard on Gomer Pyle. And to some people that's the new blockbuster movie that was in the theater this year from Marvel, or the blockbuster movie from DC, Warner. So we're going to get into that, and we're going to have a review with Scott Parker. He always does excellent movie reviews, and we will have that coming up later. But first, a little housekeeping. Let me get my mop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to spill that, but... (laughs) Yeah, really. Clean up after yourself. A lot of people have asked what has become of Courtney Cronin Dold as far as the pop show. What has become of Courtney Cronin Dold in terms of the pop show? Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> nothing bad. She's she's successful, as a matter of fact. Her career is taking off, and she's writing for a television show, and she's doing a lot of stand-up, and our schedules just are not working like I would like them to or she would like them to. But she is welcome here. This is still her show. She is part of this. And anytime she can be here, she is welcome here, and we love her. There is no bad vibes or anything. There is no creative differences, right? (laughs) There was nothing weird. (laughs) Well, there is a creative difference. She's doing something different that's creative. Well, that's true, but you know what I'm saying. Like, bands break up because (laughs) of creative differences, right? Well... Right. No, there's no breakup. Yeah. I love Courtney, and she is my friend, and I am so glad. One of my greatest memories in all of podcasting is the fact that I got to become friends, work with, and get to know Courtney Cronin Dold. So there you go. So love you, Courtney. Plus, she's a mother now with her dog, Rainy. So, you know. She's got a fur baby. Yeah, one of the official mascots of the pop network here. So, fantastic. (laughs) And as we finish up a little housekeeping here, on the last episode of Pop, we talked about 
Star Trek Discovery and the Orville and all things fandom with Lee and Mary Conrad. And we had a lot of great responses about that. And again, we'd like you to check out the Scrappy-Doo Principle podcast and you can check out more from Lee Conrad. And it was great having them on, but we got a lot of tremendous responses. And I'd like to thank somebody for letting us put our show on their Facebook page. And it is the TrekCast. And you can find them over at trekcastpodbeam.com. And say hello to Dan Lombardo, Chad Waldo, and Daniel Reyes over at TrekCast. Thank you, guys. Did you enjoy that episode? Yes, I did. And, in fact, you said uh, you had a tremendous response. Yeah, I I gave a tremendous response as I was listening because <laughs> I was talking right back to you guys. Because mm. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Star Trek Discovery and even more, I'm a giant fan of uh, season two. I so, so want them to give Captain Pike and Spock and number one, their own series. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Origins, you know, I would devour that. And I'm thrilled with how they took what should have been or, or what has long thought to be almost a throwaway character in Captain Pike because we knew so, so little about him. And they made him a fully fledged being that we care about deeply now. Mm-hmm. Very true. What do you think of uh, Star Trek piking it up for a title? Do you think that would work? <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but over on the Jimmy Fallon show, Paul Rudd and Jimmy Fallon recently did a shot-for-shot remake of the song You Spin Me Right Round, Baby, Right Round, Like a Record Baby, Right Round, Round, Round. Remember that song? Oh, I lo- I'm, I'm looking this up now. I'm going, I'm going to YouTube and I'm finding yeah, this check right it out. now. And there's also a really cool thing that they did with a bunch of the cast of the Avengers, and it's a video song of them singing We Didn't Start the Fire, Billy Joel's track. So check it out. That's awesome. And at the end, they have a a tribute to Stan Lee. If only they would have also included the great, the king himself, Jack the King Kirby. But that's another episode. So today we're talking about the curious case of Captain Marvel and whatever that means and how we got to where we are. Because uh, to some people, Captain Marvel was a cartoon that they saw. To some people, Captain Marvel was a movie serial. To some people, Captain Marvel was a comic book that they read from their youth or maybe from the 70s, which to some people is their youth. And there was also the TV show, right? What was your Captain Marvel? (laughs) It was the uh, oddball comic that was in the spinner rack very infrequently while I was trying to find my Archie digests. Mm. (laughs) So it was superhero stuff that wasn't my thing when I Mm -hmm. was a kid. But when the TV show came on. I didn't make the connection. I didn't. I watched that show a very little. Again, superheroes, not my thing. But I was certainly aware of it. And I thought that the guy who played Billy was cute. Yeah, he kind of looked like a young Elvis. Yeah, I guess so. That's interesting. For me, that, but that show wasn't Captain Marvel. That was Shazam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, so I never, it was a long time before I really made the connection between, oh, Shazam and Captain Marvel. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to talk about the long, confusing history of Captain Marvel and how we got to where we are in pop culture. 
But first, we're going to go to the movies with Scott Parker as he gives us his review of Shazam! Daily Bats, I choose you as champion. Say my name so my powers will become yours. Wait, for real? Say the key! Say my name. That's crazy, right? What are your superpowers? Superpowers, dude? I don't even know how to pee in this thing. This is proof of authenticity. Super strength. Electricity manipulation. Hyper speed. His name is Captain Sparkle Fingers. No, it's not. It's not my. That's not my name. Chosen one. Oh, you're like a bad guy, right? You literally did the opposite of what a superhero is supposed to do. You're him. You're the hero. You're welcome for not getting robbed. I'm Batman. Get him back in! How old are you? Basically 15. Dude, did you see that? Yeah, you electrocuted a bus and almost killed these people. And then I caught it! And leave tall buildings in a single bound. With one magic word, Billy Batson can transform himself into the superhero Shazam. With a wonderful set of creators and actors, you've got a movie with its own special superpower. At one point in the movie Shazam, Jack Dylan Grazer's Freddie Freeman asks his new foster brother Billy Batson, played by Asher Angel, what superpower he would choose if given the opportunity. Freddie mentions most people select flight or invisibility. The movie itself, however, showcases another superpower altogether. For many of the heroes who show up on the big screen in this century, do so for the first time. Others, like Batman, Superman, and Shazam, it is a return. For Captain Marvel, the character's real and original name, it has been 78 years since Shazam was a movie serial. Many critics and film historians consider that 1941 Republic serial to be a high watermark of the genre, and I'll admit I'm curious. But now, we're in 2019 and the big-budget, color, glorious film starring Zachary Levi as the Big Red Cheese is on the silver screen, and it is so good. Most of us longtime fans know Billy Batson's origins from the 1940s when he was a radio reporter. In the last decade, Jeff Johns revamped the story in the comic books for a modern audience, and it is this version we see on screen. Billy, a sullen teenager, constantly searches for his mother, 
who lost him at a carnival when he was a toddler. He's streetwise, able to take care of himself, but still longs to find his mother and reform his family. His latest failure lands him in a foster home with five other foster children, one of which is Freddy, a nerdy kid in love with the DCEU superheroes, but must use a crutch to get around. After Billy stands up for Freddy against a couple of bullies, he escapes in a subway train to a magical place where the aged wizard Shazam seeks to pass on his powers to young Billy. All the boy has to do is say the wizard's name, and he's transformed into an adult superhero. If the first part of the film set the foundation of all the characters, it's the interplay between Zachary Levi as Shazam and Jack Dylan Grazer as Freddy that really shine. Grazer, who I first noticed in the short-lived show Me, Myself, and I in the movie It, Chapter 1, plays Freddy as the motor-mouthed nerd who knows all things superhero-related, and he excels in this role. He brings the manic excitement of a teenager thrilled his foster brother is an adult superhero, but then can swing the other way, giving Freddy the pathos and sadness of his life's predicament. Levi is a wonderful choice for Shazam. His enthusiasm at finding his newfound grown-up self is offset by Levi's ability to make you believe he really is still a teenager. They make a great pair, and the humor and the camaraderie between them had everyone in the theater rolling with laughter. The boys did what just about every teenage boy would do, figure out the powers of the new hero, buy beer, and film most of it for YouTube. When it comes to Shazam's rogues gallery, he's got a few from which to choose. With Black Adam, basically the reverse Shazam off the table, Dwayne Johnson is going to play him in a movie. That left the other main villain, Dr. Savannah. In the comics, Savannah is a short, mad scientist. In the film, however, he's portrayed by tall, menacing Mark Strong. Like everything else in this movie, Mark Strong is a good choice. Strong brings a haughty disdain to the reality Billy is a mere boy. When Savannah was a lad, Savannah was offered the power. However, he was seduced and chose poorly. He's now spent a lifetime tracking down the portal back to Shazam and his power. But Shazam is completely out of his element. Billy has no idea how to fight Savannah. But his family does. In a movie with an underlying story about the power of family, it is inevitable the rest of Billy's foster siblings comes to help. There is little they can do against the magic of Savannah, he's powered by the seven deadly sins, but they try. They divert, they flee, they think on their feet, and they distract. But by showing Billy they have his back, they also show him the power of family. Now, there's a few spoilers I simply must write about, but if you don't want to know until you've seen the movie, and believe me, you need to experience this movie fresh, just know this. There is so much happiness, charm, and heart in Shazam. Hilariously funny, with a real whiz-bang vibe about it. But there is one moment that brought me and others in the audience who applauded so much joy, it actually got me emotional. Didn't think I'd ever see it, and I did. 
Shazam knocks it out of the park. Oh, and that superpower the movie delivers in spades? The power to feel young. This show did that, and despite how good Wonder Woman and Aquaman were, this is the first DC movie to do so. Now, on to the spoilers. Okay, so I didn't think I'd ever see a live-action Shazam film. And I didn't think it would be so good. But I never, in my wildest dreams, would have imagined I'd ever see the entire Marvel family in a movie. Okay, so late in the film, Savannah compels Shazam to grasp the wizard's staff in order to pass the power into the bad guy. But Shazam turns the tables. His family instead runs up and grips the staff. They say Shazam in unison. And there, on screen, are the entire Marvel family. The audience actually applauded. I joined in, and truth be told, my eyes welled up with tears of joy. Goosebumps, too. I was overjoyed with what was on screen. And the adult actors like Levi channel their inner teenager and bring the joy to being a superhero. It was so unexpected and so wonderful about that next bad guy. You know what else was great about this film? Director David F. Sandberg and writer Henry Gayden both realized Shazam's third most famous villain is a worm. Granted, Mr. Mind is an alien worm, a telepathic worm, but still a worm. I knew Sandberg and Gaiden were on the right track with the fun of Shazam when I noticed Mr. Mine off to the side of an early scene. That he shows up in the mid-credits sequence communicating with the imprisoned Dr. Savannah means that a worm might actually be the main villain in Shazam 2. I'm a DC fan first and Marvel second. I barely knew the Guardians of the Galaxy when the show dropped in 2014, but I was stunned there was a talking raccoon and a talking tree in a movie. As a DC fan, I dreamed of them realizing they have 80 years of characters they can use and develop. And if Marvel could make you feel sorry for a CGI raccoon, then DC could certainly do something with their most esoteric characters. With Mr. Mine, perhaps we now have the first step. Please, DC, take that step and keep going. Thank you, Scott Parker. That is a fantastic review. Glad to have your contributions here on POP, and we look forward to more from you in the future. So, here we are. I guess we're going to start the discussion now of Captain Marvel and what does that mean, right? (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. It is confusing. Now, we have to go back to the time of something that is huge in pop culture, and that is the birth of the superhero. We've always had legends, right? We had everything from the gods. We'd hear about Hercules and so on and so forth. And then there's King Arthur and Robin Hood and so on and so forth. Those, in a sense, were the first superheroes, right? And then there's the American side of things with Paul Bunyan, right? 
Sure. We've always had heroes. Larger than life, amazing creatures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, comics or comic books became a thing. And we're not going to do the entire history of comic books, but just realize that these things were done on the cheap and for kids. It was disposable entertainment for the kids. Like almost everything in pop culture, it's disposable entertainment. Like, for example, you and I both love the monkeys, but the monkeys were not supposed to last for 50 plus years, right? That's right. Pop culture, pop like a bubble popping, right? So here here today and, and, and gone almost immediately. Exactly. This is not just about a confusing name situation, but it's also about corporations. There was this character created by Siegel and Schuster named Superman, and they eventually got picked up by National Comics. National Comics became DC Comics. And they are now owned by Warner Brothers. There was another comic book company across the way, and it was called Timely. Timely eventually became Marvel. And Marvel, which is now owned by Disney, and that may seem weird for a person to say, like, well, why are you bringing that up right now? Trust me, it plays into our discussion. You do have uh, your pop scorecards now, right, everybody? You're, yeah. <laughs> you're playing Play along at home. At home. Yeah. Yeah. So Superman really typifies what we really think of when we think of superheroes, right? Absolutely. Those two kids in Cleveland really hit upon something larger than life. There were comics and periodicals at the time that were usually westerns or things like that or pirate things. But for the most part, this was a new beast, a unique American art form. And with the success of Superman came imitators. One of those people was Bob Kane. He wanted to do something, and so Batman became a thing. And eventually, Wonder Woman became a thing. But those were all owned by National Comics, which became DC, which is now owned by Warner. Well, across the way, there was another company that said, you know, we should get into this superhero biz. And that company was Fawcett Publications. They started their own comic division in 1940. Superman was created in 1939. So in less than a year, the imitators were happening fast and furious. And the superheroes became such a big thing that they would get those kids 10 cents and 12 cents eventually. But the superheroes became such a huge phenomenon that they even went and helped defeat Hitler. That's amazing, isn't it? They they went and they went with our boys overseas and there were paper drives during the war, which made a lot of comic books really collectible and worth a ton of money, right? <laughs> well, now, back then, no, I don't think anybody was thinking in those terms, but uh boy, give uh give somebody a chance to figure out a way to make some money on something and suddenly it's a collectible. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that and your mom cleaning out your room and, like I said, during the paper drives during the war, right? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So Fawcett Publications turned to Bill Parker to create several superheroes. And what they wanted to do, they wanted to do something called Flash Comics. Now, again, a hero by any other name is still a hero, right? Well, we know that there was a Flash already made. So there was the Golden Age Flash character, so they couldn't really do that. 
So they wanted to do something that would be a team of six superheroes, each possessing a special power granted to them by the mythological gods. Well, at some point, Ralph Day decided that it would be best to combine the team of six into one hero. And that one hero would have all the six powers of the gods. At which point, Bill Parker, along with artist C.C. Beck, introduced the world to Captain Thunder. Sounds powerful. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Great name. Great. I mean, no, really great name, right? But they found out that they couldn't use that name. In the fall of 1939, there is this thing called an Ashcan copy. And what an Ashcan is, is a comic roughly made, really quickly put together, just so that they can file it with the trademark office, right? Yeah, it's not for public consumption. Yeah, for the most part. Sometimes they'll give them away at conventions or things like that, but and they become very collectible to some people. So there are these Ashcan copies made. The first issue of the comic book was printed as both Flash Comics 1 and Thrills Comic 1. Mm-hmm. And Fawcett then found out that it could not trademark the name Captain Thunder, nor could they use the name Flash Comics or Thrill Comics because all of these names were already in use by the other comic book companies. Wizcomic and Fawcett artist Pete Costanza suggested changing Captain Thunder into Captain Marvelous. And again, we're still not at the name Captain Marvel, and this is only the first month or so of Captain Marvel's creation. At which point, the editor shortened Captain Marvelous to Captain Marvel. That has more of a boom sound to it, right? You can almost hear the thunder. Yep. I'll have to tell you, I've always thought the name Captain Marvel was... It's okay. I mean, we're all used to it, but... Hearing hearing the history and hearing you say Captain Marvelous, that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, good good pick not to go with uh, Costanza's choice of Captain Marvelous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Wiz Comic Two, cover dated February 1940, was published in late 1939, in which we have our main character Billy Batson, who is an orphan 12-year-old boy who, by speaking the name of the ancient wizard Shazam would be struck by a magic lightning bolt and transformed into the adult superhero known as Captain Marvel. Shazam's name was an acronym, which spelled out the six immortal elders who grant Captain Marvel his powers. He had the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the courage of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury. I didn't know that! That's so cool! (laughs) Serious? Yes, serious. I'm telling you, superhero, me, kid, no. Right, okay. (laughs) This is cool. (laughs) And just as Superman had Lex Luthor, Captain Marvel had the evil Dr. Savannah. Which, by the way, what school do you have to go to become an official evil doctor? Because there's a lot of doctors. There's Dr. Doom, Dr. Savannah. There's a lot of doctors in the crime business. It's yeah, it's an there's an evil medical school out there somewhere, isn't there? You just wonder what kind of doctorate you have to have in in order to graduate from evil school. Anyway, so just as Superman had Lex Luthor, Captain Marvel had Dr. Savannah and a bunch of other enemies, including a talking worm. Now, I know you might be thinking, well that sounds silly. 
but it makes sense in the comic book. And just as Batman had Robin, you also had Captain Marvel Jr. That's right. Shazam had a sidekick partner who had all the powers of Captain Marvel, but there was a catch. Instead of saying Shazam, he would say Captain Marvel, and then he would turn into Captain Marvel Jr. I'm not making this up. This is true. <laughs> so you realize Captain Marvel Jr. couldn't even say his own name, right? That's weird. Yeah. You also had Mary Marvel, who could also say the name Shazam and become Mary Marvel. She was just as strong and just as smart. And Mary Marvel was given her powers from goddesses with the same initials as Shazam. This is Billy Batson, star reporter for station WIZZ-TV. He has been picked by the aged wizard Shazam to carry on the wizard's lifelong crusade against crime and the forces of evil. When Billy speaks the wizard's name, Shazam! Billy becomes Captain Marvel, mighty champion, combining the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the courage of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury. Billy's twin sister, Mary Batson, has also been granted special powers. When she speaks the name... Shazam! Mary Batson becomes Mary Marble, blending the grace of Selena with the best qualities of other goddesses, whose names combined form the word Shazam! The third member of the mighty trio is their friend, lame newsboy Freddie Freeman. When he speaks the name of his idol, Captain Marvel! Freddy becomes the powerful Captain Marvel Jr. Together, they are the mighty Marvel, dedicated to fighting the forces of evil throughout the universe. And the comics had a sense of innocence to them. As a matter of fact, sometimes Captain Marvel would meet other boys named Billy Batson, and the three of them could also turn into Shazam. So... <laughs> This is something that would happen, and it would be can very... Can we dive into that? Can, sure. Can we dive? Because those were funny. Yeah, they were kind of weird characters. <laughs> there, was, there, was, well, there, was, there was tall Billy, fat Billy, and the southern-born hill Billy. <laughs> yeah, so they were all Billy Batsons, and <laughs> they could turn into versions of Captain Marvel as well. Now, there was also a lot of weird things that happened in this comic. As a matter of fact, there was a character named Mr. Tawny who was an actual tiger who would wear human clothes and he would be in the adventures as well. And eventually wait, a, a bunny. Wait, even wait, wait. <laughs> a tiger that wore human clothes. Yeah, he would speak and talk and everything. We're speaking with Mr. Tawny, one of the directors of the zoo. Uh, tell us about the new gorillas, Mr. Tani. An amazing story, Billy. <laughs> now, those two, Mimi and Alphonse, were difficult to catch. But the other one <laughs> practically jumped into the cage. It was almost as if he wanted to go. Okay, then. <laughs> Alrighty. I missed out on a lot of when I was a kid, apparently. It was just a fun comic book, and it had such a rabid fan base eventually it actually wound up selling more copies than superman 
what it was, something like 14 million comics in 1944 alone. Mm -hmm. That's that's amazing. And it became such a big hit that eventually we had the Marvel family get its own book. Captain Marvel Jr. got his own book. Mary Marvel got her own book. And there were other characters as well. And here's a cool factoid. Check this out. But Elvis Presley based his look on Captain Marvel Jr. Did you know that? That was mind-blowing when I learned that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me now if I think about it, right? I mean, the, but, uh, I mean, he's just, a, he's just a good old boy from a small town in Mississippi and, you know, just likes, lo- loves his mama and likes the comic books, mm-hmm. right? He always wanted to dye his hair black so it would look like a Tony Curtis and Captain Marvel Jr. And then later... When he got into that, I'm going to, I'm going to call it Elvis's glam period, even though no one else would, when he would wear <laughs> oh, the, would. he would do the karate kicks. The, with the bedazzled capes and pan jumpsuits and things. Yeah. yeah. That's his superhero costume, right? That literally was uh, his version of the Captain Marvel Jr. outfit. That's awesome. Uh, it was multicolored and wonderful. And even his logo for his saying, taking care of business, he had a lightning bolt. Oh, yeah, the TCB bolt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All came from Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel Jr. So this is an important thing in pop culture. As a matter of fact, it became so big that Captain Marvel was the first comic book superhero to be adapted into films. In 1941, Republic Pictures serials, The Adventures of Captain Marvel with Tom Tyler as Captain Marvel and Frank Coughlin Jr. as Billy Batson, who said the magic word, Shazam! I am Shazam. My name is... All is known to me. Your name is Billy Batson. You did not pry into the secret of the scorpion. That is why I am here. But where did you come from? Out of the past, my son. Down through the ages to guard the secret of the scorpion. You've been alive all these years? What you call life returned to me when your friends violated the tomb of the scorpion. Well, they meant no harm. Then they should have obeyed the inscription on the tomb. The harm has been done. It is your duty to see that the curse of the scorpion is not visited upon innocent people. My duty? Yes. So long as the golden scorpion may fall into the hands of selfish men, it is the duty of Captain Marvel to protect the innocent from its evil use. But who is Captain Marvel? You are, my son. All that is necessary is to repeat my name, Shazam. By its repetition, you will become Captain Marvel and take on the virtues you see recorded there. The wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the great courage of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury. You must never call upon this power except in the service of right. To do so would bring the scorpion's curse upon your own head. And now, my son, repeat my name 
and return to the rescue of your friends. Shazam! At this point, DC figured this guy's a lot like Superman, even though he really wasn't, right? Right. National Comics, DC, which is now owned by Warner, decided to sue Fawcett Publications for stepping on their trademark. They felt that the guy could fly like Superman and had a super outfit, a variation of Superman's, which it really wasn't. But they basically wanted to shut down Fawcett because not only had they beaten Superman to the movies and was also outselling Superman, they needed to shut this down now. And what they did was they basically had more money for more lawyers and they basically sued Fawcett out of publication. It went on for a long time too, didn't it? Yes, but an appeals judge ruled that the Powers costume and the flowing cape alone were not copyrightable and overturned the original verdict, a precedent that paved the way for the entire superhero genre to exist. The case was sent back to the lower courts for a new trial, but by 1953, the combined weight of DC's legal team and the comic book market was crashing, Fawcett just didn't feel like fighting anymore. They settled with DC for $400,000, promising to never publish Captain Marvel again. Now, this was a big blow to people who loved Captain Marvel. Oh, absolutely. I would imagine it would be. I mean, right? This was a giant hit. Yeah. So the big red cheese would be no more. The Captain's legal limbo during the 50s and 60s caused the franchise to be hit hard. Since DC did not act upon their legal victory and publish any new Captain Marvel titles, eventually someone else did. But across town, Marvel Comics was doing big business. They had Spider-Man, the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men. And someone figured out that Captain Marvel had not been printed in a long time. And they checked the files. And Captain Marvel, the name, had went out of copyright. Comic book publisher Marvel Comics took advantage of this situation and debuted a brand new Captain Marvel in 1967 and they quickly trademarked the name. Marvel's character debuted in the lead feature in Marvel Superheroes number 12, December of 1967. But Captain Marvel never really disappeared from popular culture, right? And as with all things pop culture, there's always that 20-year resurgence of things, right? Right. Yeah, that is a thing. And just as there were the serials made in the 40s of Batman and Captain America, and Captain Marvel, people would start showing them and they would have get-togethers, show them at conventions and whatnot. And eventually, the radio serials also became a big thing. Captain Marvel is always somewhere in popular culture. As a matter of fact, it was used in a TV show almost any time one character was around. And that character was Gomer Pyle, who... His one of his big catchphrases was Shazam! 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 
See, I think Gomer Pyle is why I never made the connection between Shazam and Captain Marvel. Because mm-hmm. I knew Shazam from Gomer Pyle, and then I knew Shazam from the 70s TV show. Mm-hmm. Who the heck is Captain Marvel? I mean, I, what did I know? Right. <laughs> but to people who maybe grew up reading Captain Marvel, who were now working at Marvel Comics, they said, hmm, this name is just going to waste, and we are Marvel right. Comics. Maybe we should do something about that. That was very smart. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they watched uh, Gomer Pyle and it clicked with somebody's head. See, that's the that's the thing. I don't think anyone's given Gomer Pyle enough credit. <laughs> you might be onto something. I mean, think about it. Had Gomer Pyle both on the Andy Griffith show and then later on Gomer Pyle USMC. I mean, that became a popular catchphrase all across America again. So maybe that was the thing that kind of like kicked the idea of Captain Marvel back into popular culture. As a matter of fact, Gomer Pyle actually did a soundtrack for the Gomer Pyle USMC show. And here's his version of a song that was on it named Shazam. Went to see a gypsy woman late last night Told her everything I do, it never works out right I gave her all my money, nearly 411 cents She said you need a magic word to give you confidence Just say Shazam, zip zap, man, you gotta put a whammy on You can move the world or walk into the Pentagon No one's ever heard that special secret word So if you want your way, just remember what to say Shazam Shazam I went to see a banker with a white shirt on Tried to get a loan, but my account was overdrawn. And since my credit rating don't exist, I asked him for the money with a brand new twist. I said, Shazam, zip zap, man, I went and put a whammy down. Banker changed his mind, said, how'd you like to buy the town? Made me a VP, people, can't you see? If you want your way, just remember what to say. Shazam. Shazam. Cutest little queen of the county fair Had a pretty smile and long blonde hair She had a lot of suitors like a flock of birds But she chose me when she heard these words I said, Shazam, zip zap, honey, won't you come and be my wife? You can clean house and cook for me all my life Now I know and it really goes to show If you want your way, just remember what to say Shazam 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 So Marvel Comics capitalized on this lapse of Captain Marvel being printed again and started with a brand new Captain Marvel, or Marvel as they started calling him. This Captain Marvel was different. He was an alien of the Kree race, and eventually he would click some wristlets together and turn into, instead of Billy Batson, a sidekick named Rick Jones. Because Rick and Captain Marvel shared molecules, allowing only one to exist in the real world at a time. Comic creator Roy Thomas stated that the intent of that change was to create a more science fiction-oriented update of Fawcett's comics, original Captain Marvel. 
So now we've got two Captain Marvels. We've got the original one that was started in 1939, and then this new one that started in 1968. And everything was fine, except that DC now said, hey, I think we're allowed to publish Captain Marvel. And then they found out, whoops, you can't use the name Captain Marvel anymore. So now we flash forward to 1972. DC gets the idea to introduce the character into their universe. But they could only market their version as Shazam and not Captain Marvel. Now they could call him Captain Marvel inside the book, but they couldn't put it on the cover. Does that make sense? Yeah, they couldn't title it that, but his character name could still be Captain Marvel. Right. Which eventually led to the TV series Shazam, The Adventures of Captain Marvel, right? So it's like in the small print, it would be Captain Marvel. So 1972, DC decides that they're going to start reprinting Captain Marvel again. And as one of the problems with all revivals or continuations of things, in in this case comic books, I think sometimes some movies, some music some TV shows, and in this case, Captain Marvel, really only work best in the times that they were created. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because you've got a talking tiger, and you've got the Marvel family, and all of this weirdness, and Mr. Mind, a talking worm, and Dr. Savannah, and his weird family as well. You call it weirdness, but at the time... Okay, it might it was it was fantasy, right? I don't I think that it was more accepted maybe. Right. Uh, th- that it was a child's entertainment form. So what worked in 1940 didn't necessarily work in 1972. As a matter right. of fact, there were a lot of things that weren't cool anymore. The comic book Shazam as printed in 1972 had to face a bunch of competitors that had everything from Spider-Man to the X-Men to the brand new look at Batman and all these things, comics were becoming a hip art form. And the only way for Captain Marvel to be enjoyed really was as a relic. And it was known more for its early reputation than what was actually being printed monthly, right? Interesting. It just wasn't as cool as what else was. I mean, Swamp Thing was a thing, right? A lot of everything from Kung Fu and monsters and all this stuff was right. a big thing. We had grown up as a culture. I don't know if we matured. The themes got more <laughs> mature. I'm not sure that we did. So Right. But at some point, here comes Filmation. And Filmation was known for doing a lot of cheap television programming aimed at young people on Saturday mornings. And I loved a lot of what they did. I I still love, like, Arc 2. That was one of their shows, right? And, of course, there is Isis and Shazam! The Adventures of Captain Marvel. Yep. Chosen from among all others by the immortal elders Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, Billy Batson and his mentor travel the highways and byways of the land on a never-ending mission to right wrongs, to develop understanding, and to seek justice for all. In time of dire need, young Billy has been granted the power by the immortals to summon awesome forces at the utterance of a single word. A word which transforms him in a flash into the mightiest of mortal beings, Captain Marvel. 
And I think that for a lot of people, that's their real memory of what Captain Marvel is to them or Shazam, right? For sure. I, I mean, definitely, I think uh, people of, of our generation, uh, if they weren't already into comic books like me, then then, yeah, those TV shows were, were where it was at. There were changes to the concept, though. The ancient wizard was replaced by an ancient mentor named Mentor. He and Billy Batson would drive around the country in an RV, helping people along the way each week and teaching us a brand new lesson. The costume was kind of cool, very comic-specific, and it was eventually played by two different actors. The show was not really that good. What do you remember of the TV show? I remember the commercials mostly, and mm -hmm. I remember the guy that played Billy. I thought he was cute because he had the... the you know, the flowing 70s feathered hair. Mm -hmm. He was all set up for 16 Magazine, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yep, yep. But as I said, there were changes to the concept. There was no Talking Tiger. There was no Captain Marvel Jr. There was no Mary Marvel. And there was no bad guy trying to get revenge on the big red cheese. So it's weird. Everybody always complains that that's not my Captain Marvel, and here was a version of Captain Marvel that was radically different from the Captain Marvel that they remembered from the comic books. They always make changes, right? Right. So what did you think of the show? I was really disappointed by it a lot. It was yeah. very boring, and I would love the times when we'd see Captain Marvel flying around and doing things. <laughs> they there wasn't tried. much of that, maybe, huh? Yeah, they tried. They tried. <laughs> it was the 70s. Yeah, and that eventually led to the Shazam and Isis Power Hour. So that was pretty cool. But the show ran for a few years and then later came back as a cartoon, which was really a lot more like the original one. Like it did have the Tawny, Mr. Tawny was there and Captain Marvel Jr. was there and Mary Marvel. So the concept of Captain Marvel and all of its goofiness wound up in the cartoons in the early 80s. Captain Marvel! Shazam! I'll take that ray pistol. Shazam! Tell me one thing, Malarog. Why do you do these things? You wouldn't understand. I wanted to be the first gorilla in Who's Who. Okay, I'll have a special one printed up for you. Who's Who at the zoo. I'll get you for this, you big red cheese. <laughs> Meanwhile, DC kept trying to fix Captain Marvel. They kept trying to make him not as juvenile or not as silly or not as goofy, right? And they only made their problem worse. For example, I love Alan Weiss's art, but when we saw Captain Marvel drawn by Alan Weiss, it looked more like as if Neil Adams had drawn Captain Marvel instead of the C.C. Beck look like we've always had, right? So mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like 
DC kept trying to fix Captain Marvel, trying to make him more hip, but you really can't do that. Meanwhile, across town at Marvel, the Captain Marvel that came about in 1968 had actually died of cancer when comics artist and writer Jim Starlin had him go up against Thanos and everything else. And I'll tell you, Marvel Comics and Marvel Entertainment and the MCU universe owe Jim Starlin a lot because he created Thanos. And had they not had Thanos, there might have not have been that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So God bless Jim Starlin. A lot of people are eating really good over at MCU because of Jim Starlin. So... It seems like the Captain Marvels in the comic book keeps getting rebooted, whether it's the Shazam version over at DC. And they've tried many different things. They've tried to make it more grim and gritty, if you will. And there was a time when Jerry Ordway did this fantastic book called The Power of Shazam. That was really well done. He's a fantastic artist, and I think he gets the idea of what the book should be and tried to make it more modern at the same time. So now you've got these two characters. One is called Shazam, Captain Marvel in parentheses, and the other one is Captain Marvel over at Marvel. So Captain Marvel dies of cancer over at Marvel, and then someone says, you know, we got to keep that name, right? So they eventually wound up printing another version of Captain Marvel. And there's been three or four different versions of Captain Marvel. And currently right now, a woman, Carol Danvers, is Captain Marvel. She started out her superhero life as Miss Marvel. Does any of this make sense? (laughs) (laughs) In some ways, it's like algebra. I just accept it as fact and go on with it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So both of these companies, Marvel, who is now owned by Disney, has been putting out books under the name Captain Marvel, since 1968 and over at dc we have this thing called shazam which is allowed to use the name captain marvel inside the book but not so much on the cover right so as confusing as this whole captain marvel name mess is in 2011 someone over at dc said we've got to stop this right author jeff jones is part of the new 52 over at dc comics in 2011 Rebooted everything. We were reintroduced to a brand new Billy Batson, only this time, instead of being a lonely orphan who somehow finagled a job as a radio host, he is now part of a foster family in Philadelphia. And instead of being the pure heart that Billy Batson was, he's kind of a more modern kid, a bit more cynical, a bit sullen. But the the wizard, Shazam, still sees something in Billy. Maybe something that hasn't really developed yet, right? Right. And because there's only so much time, Shazam has to pick someone, and he sees something in Billy, and when Billy says the word, the wizard Shazam dies. Billy winds up getting the powers of Shazam. And since 1939, this whole naming debacle of Captain Thunder, Captain Marvel, Shazam, DC finally put it to rest after a century of copyright confusion. Am I doing okay? Yep, yep. All right. Does it make any more sense than it did? Yes. But you know, it's weird because there are people who love the character Cap Marvel that are very upset that Shazam is being printed. There are people that are very upset that Shazam, the movie, is a huge hit. What do you think of that? 
I don't blame them. I mean, I, now that I have a, a more full picture of it, yeah, I can kind of get why somebody might be upset that this character, Captain Marvel, that they have grown up with or that they've always had this this love for, it's kind of, you know, being a a split personality or being watered down or or bastardized or whatever, you know. I, yeah, I can understand why people would would be confused and upset about it. Well, the weird thing is is that I always find it strange that comic book movies and or modern comics almost have to apologize for using things like magic, superhero costumes, and <laughs> powers like flight, right? For example, in the Thor films, they talked about the gods instead of talking about them as actual gods. Well, yeah, those things, those people existed, but they weren't actually god gods, right? Because we don't want to upset people in our modern era, right? And it was more like science fiction. They tried mm -hmm. to make it so that the powers make sense. But here's the thing. Talking tigers, people flying, having magic hammers, being able to say a magic word and turn into someone else. None of this stuff is ever going to be real, right? That's right. And they're fantasy. Right. And the thing is, is that to some people, they're never going to find a character flying as being normal. To some people, everything's going to be silly. So I think that, like, as Scott Parker said, DC and Warner need to embrace the goofiness, need to embrace the silliness, yes. right? Yes, I would agree. And now in the shazam comics and in the shazam movie billy batson has this extended marvel family and it was done very well in the film and i think it's great and i think we're eventually going to see the talking tiger in the shazam movies i think that spoiler alert we've already seen the worm so <laughs> i think it's good that even though it's silly shazam and his family we're never supposed to be realistic. When you think about it, they're the ultimate childhood power fantasy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't that that's what this was born of? These were throwaway entertainment for kids. Mm -hmm. What do we expect? It's going to be fantastical. It's going to be made up. It's going to be, you know, beyond belief for reality. Mm -hmm. We should embrace that. Uh, I think that I think that honestly, the way uh, the way the world is these days, we kind of need a little bit more of that. And let's get away from the dark and gritty and be more lighthearted and fantastic about it. Bring on the fun, right? Yeah. When you think about it, Shazam really is what every kid, at least when I was a kid reading comic books and drawing and putting a towel around my neck and running out to the backyard and posing and using the, I would launch myself from a swing set, you know, uh, <laughs> when you think about it, what is now Shazam is really every 10 year old kid's dream is if I had the power of flight and super strength if i could do these right. things right except right. in this case it's it's a kid from our modern settings and the, the wizard shazam saw something good in him and there are a lot of people that are upset because shazam they see him drinking the soda and he's charging people cell phones and he tries to buy beer and all this stuff what happened to the wisdom of solomon right and i think mm. that eventually Shazam is going to grow to be all of these things. But right now, 
he's understanding things as a child. And there are times when just as the speed of Mercury will kick in or the strength of Hercules, I believe that the wisdom of Solomon will be there. But I think that there's going to be that fun and that that wonder of the fantastical, right? It should be. Yeah. yeah. So whether you like the new version of Captain Marvel slash Shazam or whether you like the Captain Marvel Carol Danvers over at the Avengers who's who's helping the Marvel Universe be saved and the new brand new movie Avengers Endgame is out and that's opening up to huge box offices. It seems like the superhero genre as a movie genre is here to stay for I think it's going to be around for a long while. It'll be interesting now that we've had uh, Avengers Endgame, what's what's going to be the next thing that kind of rises up and and fills that space? And, mm-hmm. and so which of these is it going to be, Ken? What do you think? I have no idea. I, I've been surprised along the way. I never thought we would see an Aquaman movie, let alone a Shazam movie, let alone a Wonder Woman movie let alone a Captain America movie, let alone an Iron Man movie. The the thing was is that a movie would come out like in the 80s and it would die a miserable fast death, right? <laughs> really the biggest superhero film after the Superman movies was Howard the Duck and then eventually Batman in 1989, right? Ha- ha- Howard the Duck was big? It was it was kind of it was big enough that it made a splash in the pond. Get it, duck pond. Anyway, but other than Howard the Duck, we had you Michael Keaton's. Yeah, quack you up. But other than Howard the Duck, we had the Batman movie with Michael Keaton, which was a huge success. And there were other companies that tried to do things with that. But I find it interesting that these three companies, or what became these three corporations, Fawcett, which went out of business, National Comics, which eventually became DC, which is now owned by Warners, and Timely, which turned into Marvel, which is now owned by Disney. The battle isn't even really so much in the comics anymore, but it's on the big screen, right? I find it fascinating that whether you realize it or not, you kind of drew parallels in the movies Mm -hmm. back to the comics. Because you just said that Superman and uh, the Superman movies and the Batman movies were the biggies. Mm -hmm. And now here we are poised with Captain Marvel slash Shazam, whichever way that's going to shake out. So will Captain Marvel once again eclipse the popularity of Batman and Superman like it did back uh, in the 30s and the 40s? Mm -hmm. Well, I know that it seems like the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score is a lot better on the current Shazam movie than was on the Man of Steel movie, because that was very grim and gritty, right? Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I hope we're tired of that. I hope we're done with that grit and gritty business. I don't know. I think that in our desire to be cool, we we want adult stuff. But when you think about it, it's like... How different is the superhero genre than the Wizard of Oz film or the Harry Potter movies or anything else or James Bond, right? They all have their own engines that drive them. And, for example, if you love Harry Potter, do you really want to see Harry Potter grow up? Right. I mean, do you want to see the movie uh, Harry Potter and the ever-shrinking 401k? Or the ever-receding hairline. Yeah. (laughs) 
I got one better. How about Harry Potter and the Inflamed Hemorrhoid? Hot! <laughs> that, yeah, that... Anyway. It's interesting that we've actually had, within the span of a month, you had Marvel's Captain Marvel with Carol Danvers uh, as a super-powered Kree soldier, uh, as a super-powered Avenger. And then, less than a month later, we've got Billy Batson as Shazam. So it's all leveled out. It's amazing that this character that people love so much, no matter what incarnation you love of Captain Marvel or Shazam, I've actually loved two of them. I was a huge fan of Jim Starlin's work over at Marvel with the original Captain Marvel over there. And I love the innocence and fun and action of the old Captain Marvel from back in the 40s. and. I appreciate Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel as well. So it's interesting to see really what corporations have made of some people's work years ago. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And I Who'd guarantee you that the people who created Captain Marvel slash Shazam are not getting as big a chunk of the money owed them by both Marvel and DC. I know that much. That's probably a safe bet, yep. I hope that we haven't confused the hell out of anyone any more than we needed to. (laughs) Well, this was a confusing subject. Right. There's no other way to to look at it and and to try to make it make sense. It took DC a century (laughs) before they could get it figured out. We've been doing this for, what, an hour? (laughs) Who knows if they have, because one thing in comic books... A reboot every so many years is bound uh, to happen. Yeah. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's comics, folks. See in the funny papers, people. Yeah, exactly. And as of this recording, as I mentioned earlier, Avengers Endgame has opened up, and uh, I'm not even going to try to see it in theaters. I'm waiting for that thing to come out on video. Just going to try not to spoil it for myself. Right. I, well, good luck. Uh, you and I waiting for the video to come out. Because Yeah, I won't go to the theater to see this either, but uh, I, I think that if we're either going to have to totally unplug from the world or we're going to be completely spoiled, <laughs> the movie will be completely spoiled for us. Well, see, I'm already kind of spoiled in a lot of ways because I read the comic books. Like when the last Avengers movie came out, Infinity Wars, it was like, <gasps> Spider-Man's dead. And it's like, um, you do know that they're planning more Spider-Man movies. Black Panther died. You do know that they're doing more Black Panther movies. They're signed for them, right? And anybody who's read the comics, it's not so much a spoiler. And if something can happen like this, it can also the other way. So I'm just going to put that out there. So... Well, anything is possible, either in in flashback stories or reboots or, you know, but the only thing I know about Avengers Endgame, and this is not a spoiler for anybody, trust me, <laughs> if I know it, it's, it's not spoiling. The thing that I've been hearing most is the thing that you think is going to happen at this point in the timeline to this character, it might not look like what you're expecting, but it's all going to work out in the end. That made zero sense. Oh, it did too. (laughs) 
earlier in the discussion, we talked about how fans are upset about they'll accept that one thing can work one time, but not another. Mm-hmm. And let's say a brand new vampire show comes on, okay? And they say, well, we're going to have these people be ice vampires, okay? So then it's like, well, what are ice vampires? Well, they can only be vampires when it's snow on the ground, right? Now, I know that sounds stupid, but this could be a TV show, right? Ice vampires. I'm surprised it hasn't been. Ice, ice vampire. Too cold, too cold. But let's say that this thing happens and then you get people get like this Bible in their head of what can be and what cannot be. Right. What what, what mm-hmm. will work, what can work, what is canon, what isn't. And then eventually someone says, well, yeah, but this vampire can be around all year long. <gasps> <laughs> this vampire has figured it out. And the other va- the the uh, the snow vampires have to figure out a way to shut them down. Right. And then somebody's going to go, man, this show is great before they fucked it all. (laughs) (laughs) Because they introduced this one imaginary thing to this other world of imaginary things that can only work. (laughs) They made that up. (laughs) Yeah, they made that up. Yeah. They made that up. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about how Ice Vampire, this could, this could. This there could, could be, be a something thing. to it because yep. you know isn't uh, vampires are repelled by garlic garlic doesn't grow when it's cold and icy huh so there you go see you're already building the world of ice vampires yeah. coming uh- <laughs> coming to fx or amc ice vampires but fans fans are never happy right not unless they're complaining about something. Yeah, we we get upset about our imaginary, imaginary things. They're real fans when they can show you that they're angry about something. Yeah, yeah I guess. Let us know what you think of Shazam. Let us know what you think of Captain Marvel. And I hope that we unraveled this whole ball of yarn called Captain Marvel slash Shazam. And with that, I think it's time to fly. You ready? I am ready. All right. I'm going to turn into Ken Marvel, and you can turn into Christine Marvel. Ready? On the count of three, let's say it. One, two, three. Shazam! It didn't work. I have my cape. What are you talking about? All right. Well, there you go. See you on the next episode of Pop. Bye. Bye. And that's our show. Pop is an online, non-profit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Say goodnight, Dick.